welcome to For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and take a deep dive into it. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30 a.m. San Francisco time on the world's best internet radio station, BFF.FM, or subscribe to the podcast at For the Record Podcast, all one word, dot com. This week, we're talking about the debut album from Milliseconds, titled So This Is How It Happens, and it starts out with a song called Every Day Is Decided. I became aware of this band releasing an album because uh, it is a trio made up of two of the original members of the dismemberment plan and then a friend that they started playing with after the dismemberment plan broke up. So those two are bassist Eric Axelson, who's also the vocalist on this record, and drummer Joe Easley, who, you know, in dismemberment plan, one of the things that I really liked about that music was all the off-kilter rhythms. He's a really great drummer. And then Lee Thompson was the guitarist that they had played with a little bit before um, in another band called Statehood before that band's singer passed away from cancer at age 33. So after a while, things changed. They went on to different projects and then they um, easily, who is a NASA scientist, found a software program that allowed them to do remote band practices um, which is always a problem because of latency. Like, you know, if you try to sing someone happy birthday over Zoom, it's all messed up. But this was pretty effective. And the name milliseconds came from the the fact that you have to minimize the number of milli- milliseconds in latency in order to be tight enough to be able to play together as a band. Yeah, I, I kind of like, I think we've had, you know, songs that are about the fact of a band putting together an album or an album that's about its own creation. But here the actual name of the band is kind of about the process that unlocked their ability to be in a band and it's sort of funny being from california because they're like scattered across oh virginia dc area and like philadelphia which seem impossibly close but (laughs) still far enough that you need that technology to be able to be a band which is fantastic and you know i think here to me this on some level at least starts off not sounding like any of the kind of intricate rhythmic craziness that I was anticipating it has really straightforward and warm sound there's the incredibly warm bass tone that if anything reminded me so much of that uh most like the opening that most recent death cab Mm -hmm. album like Mm -hmm. had a very similar opening Mm -hmm. and you know it then veers in a very different direction where you start to get the layering of kind of intricate guitars and then a wall of sound in mm-hmm. the choruses and like oh no this isn't this is going to be a pretty loud record mm-hmm. and then you get 
like at the very end of the song, you start to get these kind of crazy interlocking of these dif different rhythms that don't really work together. And yet it actually looks, it sounds really pretty. Yeah, this was the rare album where the vocals and the lyrics didn't land as well for me. But what really kept me listening to it was the way that the guitar and the bass and the drums work together. It's There's a lot of interesting stuff going on. Yeah, and it's... You know a lot of energy and incredible musicianship even though yeah like lyrically it is also i'll just say the album is maybe a slight bit of a bummer like a lot of the songs are about feeling kind of depressed or stuck here it's just the song about how like every day it kind of feels the same you're stuck in some routine but yet if your response to that is to make this sort of energetic music that's pretty fantastic and so i think yeah let's stay stuck in that routine with this next track it's called time and distance There's got to be a better way to see my friends, I miss them. Then scrolling through the snarking pile and bitter ends and fictions. This is actually the first single and another one that was not what I was expecting when I saw, oh, dismemberment plan members put up this band. And then the first thing you hear is this kind of super melodic bass line that feels like it could be straight out of a super chunk album and this very kind of earnest, uh, somewhat untrained voice. And I'll get to that. Mm -hmm. um, but then in the chorus, if you you can kind of miss it because it feels so natural, but like, oh, this was 4-4 and now it's in some other time. And mm -hmm. it's like, is it 7-4? But no, but it's just like sometimes four, sometimes three, sometimes sevens, like just weird little hiccuping notes. And like, oh, this is that dismemberment plan signature that I really remember. Yeah. And they make it feel so natural. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this album, I'm not to talk too much about the dismemberment plan, but this album made me think about what I liked about that band, which was Travis Morrison's vocals, who I will always really like despite pitchfork attacking him with the zero zero rating um and the weird off kilter beat like the gyroscope is probably my favorite dismemberment plan song and it's got that weird like drop beats that's very disorienting um but i i also like how in this song there's there's sections where the all of the rhythm instruments kind of go in their own directions and then resolve to, at different points to like mm -hmm. all be in lockstep and that is a very satisfying that makes the song very satisfying yeah it's really fantastic and you know it's super catchy i think great choice for the first single and yeah that they were you know they got the software together started practicing getting these instrumentals together and like hey we're, this sounds pretty good and then at some point like should these be like songs with lyrics mm -hmm. and of course none of them had been the front person in any of their bands and so, you know, Eric Axelson volunteered like, well, I can try writing some lyrics. And then they're like, hey, these lyrics are pretty good. Uh, you want to sing them? Uh -huh. And so he got a vocal coach and figured out a style 
that I think works, but it is, you know, one of the sort of signatures of the record and you can find it charming or not. But I, I, I mostly find it charming mm-hmm. of like incredibly intricate, super polished, very ambitious instrumentals and then very kind of earnest and again, a little untrained, but powerful in their way vocals. It's very sweet. Yeah, there's a little bit, uh, the way that his cadence falls in some of these songs like he hits the beats a little bit hard in his vocal delivery in some of the songs in a way that I found a bit distracting but it is a choice and I think it works with some of the songs better than others yeah and it's again I think it sells the emotion and here it's you know I think appropriate with the theme of the band the milliseconds that this is about hey we're all separated and hey, I kind of went offline for a little bit after that 2016 election and then getting back online and just feeling super disconnected from people to trying to use social media to keep up. And it kind of doesn't work that well. And yet it feels like what you have available. I I really related to this because I don't use Facebook or most social media for the same reason as it feels like I feel like it's interfering with the actual relationships of the people that I want to have relationships with by talking to them and seeing them in person. And how I think he captures that feeling of like disconnection of using like Facebook and getting kind of a mishmash of all these, you know, your crazy uncle posting about politics and then like someone that you went to high school with and that that feeling of disconnection that comes with it. Yeah. So we, I think, go from feeling disconnected and then the next song, which happens to be the second single, getting into some of the like being connected, but finding that maybe a little challenging. It's called Falling Water. Each day feels like there's song because I like how it's you know it's a pretty like fast moving hard rocking song but then they've got these ooh ah, you know harmony vocals in there that are just kind of off the wall and there's a lot of just interesting touches in this record yeah I love Eric Axelson describing that as oh we layered the harmonies it came out a bit Beach Boys but maybe not as pretty <laughs> like yeah not pretty per se but it, yeah it brings some sweetness in to the sourness of the kind of super aggressive and then those weird little and I think it's the the rhythm again hiccups where it's like mostly in this kind of four four but with these weird little bits of seven note sections mm-hmm. that 
feel you, you feel like oh it's getting to them here oh hiccup and, yeah and that in itself again being in the song which uh, Eric Axelson has inspired when he started dating his wife and she's like I have all these you know she would have these great ideas like let's go to Paris and let's mm-hmm. do this and he's like well let's think about this what's the practicalities of this yeah and he, he he had previously been a tour manager and like started <laughs> thinking about all the logistical details of like how much it would cost to buy a ticket last minute and then what you would do with the hotel when you got there yeah yeah not to mention the jet lag so it's sort of a a, a little bit self-deprecating but also that same problem of like yeah they you want to connect with someone but you know you're not necessarily on the same wavelength and how do you make that work like how do you yeah how are you romantic but also practical and how do you not just beat yourself up over it and i think it's a really intense emotional territory but done playfully with these just fantastic instrumentals and again this nice little extra track vocals to give a little sweetness and yeah, I think a lot of this album gave me kind of Yankee Hotel Foxtrot vibes as far as like it had this feeling of disconnection and like being unable to communicate or trying to communicate and failing and feeling alienated because of that. And that I think the the tone of the I I can't quite capture it. Like the tone of the guitar, the way his vocals are delivered, it all kind of gives an overall feel that I think really matches the mood that they're trying to create. That's not well articulated, but. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's complicated music made by adults. Yes. There's going to be a lot of depth there that we're not going to, we're not going to cover it all in 30 minutes. So I think, you know, let's, move on to other kind of dark subject matter that's covered in the third single it's called no peaches fantastic choice of the three singles and then to put them three in a row on the record and where we got the power pop we got the more punk rock sound and then here really stripped down dramatic but not you know not bombastic except in the very end and that very end only comes after we spend most of the song contemplating death and it's all just with this quiet pretty guitar rip this sort of repeated guitar line that draws you in and pulls you along but not quickly and you just are really facing that tough question of like someone you know falling apart in front of you and the doctors have no answers there are no answers i guess you'd better learn to pray 
Yeah, the, this I, I when I initially heard the song and I knew the story about how they had come together and I thought, oh, this must be about, you know, their friend who died of cancer at a young age. And I mean, who knows? Like maybe there was some consideration of that. But yeah. Well, I think, you you know, I, he, Axelson has claimed like, oh, my wife was working in palliative care. So right. we were talking a lot about that. Right. But also you can having seen your friend die of cancer while you were working on your second record. Yeah. And that was apparently like how he found meaning as he was dying with of dying of cancer at 33. Jesus. Was Clark, trying to, yeah. was right. Starting to write the song. Yeah. For the second Clark Sab- Yeah. So Clark Sabine was just like, no, I want to work on this record if it's the last thing I do. And it was, oh. and that's so sad, but also the power of art that like that can give someone meaning even in his, in his darkest hours. And so this is a, yeah, quiet, contemplative really rough song so we go from one song that's sad about getting old and dying or being young and dying to (laughs) another song that's kind of about getting old and it's called words like sparrows That's when we can't find credits for records, which I could not find here. And it's not on their Bandcamp page, which is where I usually get the music to include in the podcast. But it definitely sounds like there's a synth and maybe another guitar on this song. But I love the way that like that one of the guitars basically just functions as a rhythm guitar. And then with the bass and the drums, they're this very united rhythm section that, you know, some of these portions are a little kind of sad and wistful but then you come in with this very muscular percussive arrangement that with the choruses that really kind of kicks it into high gear yeah and this is a i think a really good strategic use of the sort of hiccupy rhythms where in the chorus again we start losing notes and as he's singing about losing his memory Mm -hmm. and it's really i think drives home that feeling of disorientation like why can't i remember this thing that someone told me (laughs) yesterday yeah the birds fly past and don't nest in my head they just go past yeah the lyrics are basically words like words fly by my ears like sparrows yeah they were but never nest (laughs) and yeah and it's but it, you're, you're right. It sounds so cool. The use of the synths. And I do want to call out that this is produced by the legendary Jay Robbins, uh, frontman of uh, Jawbox, Burning Airlines, producer of a bunch of records. 
uh, I think overlaps with our podcast just barely not a record we did but I think the second XX record was mm. produced by him and oh. a bunch of other interesting artists and yeah he you know obviously was really instrumental in this DC sound of taking this angry hardcore energy and then wetting it to this kind of almost operatic intensity and ambitious instrumentation and often really pretty singing. And I think this is some of the prettiest singing that Axelson does, even as he's it's pretty. And also you feel like he's almost losing control at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so it's pretty fantastic and just, great that i know jay robbins also produced a number of dismemberment plans or at least, or engineered on some of those records as well so clearly has a long back you know backstory with these guys and so it's really fantastic to see him come back and like no i'm going to help you make more music because you've got more to say and yeah it it warms my heart even as more pretty bummer lyrical material <laughs> so the next song we'll play is called i'm trying Joe Easley, like these just such crazy rhythms and it puts you so off kilter and like I have no idea what like what the time signature yeah. of this song is until I think the choruses are 4-4 four, four. beyond that all else is off because it seems like every you know every measure is a different length and it's mm -hmm. all crazy and yet it works at all and again for another song about feeling just overwhelmed by the world and it's you know i think i haven't really called it out but there's a number of songs that sort of feature aquatic imagery of being kind of inundated by waves and hear this idea of oh i i have daughters so it's again these are adults and it's like oh i uh -huh. actually have responsibilities and i'm like trying to fix this boat in the middle of a storm and shouting at the sky okay. like oh, i'm doing the best i can here and the the it, we were having a discussion before we started this podcast that the cover art is i took it as to be like part of the scene from jaws or the aftermath of jaws because you see this little boat in the background and then there's an oxygen tank that's like cracked and has looks like it has two chomp marks out of it yeah, but it is not exploded, so yes. it's not clear. And to me, it's more this notion of like, well, you're in the boat, and then you jumped in the water with the tank, but the tank doesn't have anyone attached to it. It's just sitting there floating with no one nearby. Yeah. So it's a very kind of evocative and very alarming image. And yeah, this notion of like, 
you, you, the boat isn't going to save you. The tank isn't going to save you. <laughs> and this song, and it's it. There's a and it, there's a little bit of the def, an initial bit of defiance in the song too, where it's like, is that the best you've got? Where he's like, he's got that bravado for about half a second, and then immediately turns into like, I'm just I'm doing the well, best I can. And you said that you you were interpreting this as like a midlife crisis record, and I said I feel like it gives me more of the vibes of just being depressed. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think some of the songs, I mean, are very much about being depressed, but in the context of like, yeah, I'm old and like I've lost my memory yeah. or I'm old and like my other people I know seem to have gotten their act together. And so to that extent, I feel like it's it's specific to not just depression, but to tr- depression as a mature or middle aged person. Yeah. So. So so with that, we're going to go into the title track, which is also the penultimate track. So this is how it happens. last song we're going to talk about because it really I think captures that percussive energy that I loved about the dismemberment plan and that I love about milliseconds yeah the opening especially has such intense intricate and rhythmically (laughs) varied opening and leading into obviously the title track and like you know thematically it's yet another kind of aquatic themed and he's out well out of the boat and drowning and it's this song that's energetic but has a certain amount of contemplation of like well i'm drowning but maybe i can maybe this is okay too I'll, i'll i'll learn to live in this whatever this new fate is and it's it's so there's even as it's sad there's a certain hopefulness and i think that can apply for all of its downer lyrics to the entire record, that there is a hopefulness to it that comes through in the amazingly energetic instrumentals. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what they do next, if anything, because they started playing together. They figured out this way to do it remotely in 2014. And so it took them this long. I mean, you know, obviously they, you know, Axelson learned to sing and they developed everything over a long period, but we'll see if they followed up with a second record or if this was just a one-off project. Yeah. Fingers crossed. I feel like there's, there's more, there's, there's more to be mined here musically. And I think if they keep working on lyrics, I mean, to just think, wow, this is the first, like, so these are the first album you've written the lyrics and sung. Wow. That's not bad for your first time out. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I want to, want to see more want to hear more so the last song that we'll play is called we'll never know 
Did I get that right? I just had a feeling that that was the wrong title. That's what the song is called. We'll <laughs> okay. never know. And it, yeah, it's a little more of a co- cosmic and contemplative uh, outro. So again, we've been discussing the new, the debut record from Milliseconds called So This Is How It Happens. And you've been listening to For The Record. Thanks so much for listening. proud member of the bff.fm podcast network learn more at podcast.bff.fm bff.fm best frequencies forever